welcome to the UK and Ireland Minnesota Vikings fan club podcast. I am your host, Mr. Richard Dawson, and I'm joined this evening by our regular contributors, vice president of the club and all-round nice guy, Mr. John McDonald, and show producer and, go on then, all-round nice guy as well, Mr. Reese Field. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Every week. So, We've just finished the championship games. Let's give a review of those games and see what went on. Uh, what we're also going to go over tonight is Mr. TJ Hawkinson. He's had successful knee surgery. Let's see how that went on. There's been a rumour flying around that Mr. Kirk Cousins wants 90 million guaranteed over two seasons. Is that the right thing to do? Let's discuss that one as well, because that's going to be an important thing for the Vikings going forward. So championship games. Let's get into it. So there was a small matter of a couple of championship games at the weekend. Quite a friendly time to kick off, really, for the UK crowd. It was nice to uh, be able to watch both games without having too much of a NFL hangover the next day. Um, Ravens versus Chiefs. Interesting game. Very interesting game. John, did you stay up to watch it? Yes, I did. I stayed up to watch both games. Yes, yeah, it was a very, very good game. But only you could have watched the first half, to be honest. There wasn't much there in that second half. but. Uh, Yes, yeah, surprising result. The Ravens not not living up to potential, really, were they? Yeah, it was a really strange one. I saw a stat on uh, on X that the Ravens had averaged something like 19 carries a game in not just a regular season, but every single game up to the championship game, where I think they had six carries, which is just crazy to change your tactics that much at that stage, especially after they they managed to get some running back help in the form of Dalvin Cook. Reese, what did you think? I was a bit under the weather on the weekend, so I watched the first half and then I went to bed. So did Lamar Jackson. That's very unfair. Very unfair, It's the truth. It's what happened with me. And I got up the next day and I thought, I'll just see how that game finished. And I double take. I was like, it's the same score with these two offences. And yeah, very quiet second half scoring wise. Uh, of course, there was a big Zay Flowers drive which resulted in nothing he went he made a massive catch he then got flagged for taunting dragged him back 15 yards got all the way back to the goal line fumbled it for a chief's recovery i mean it was symptomatic of the the second half of the ravens where it just seemed like there was no luck whatsoever uh, and the chiefs you know they were sputtering and stuttering not much better yeah i mentioned it i think on the last pod about um how ball retention have been pretty good in the playoffs so far, but that all went to pot at the weekend. Um, I don't know how Flowers gets called for that taunt and Kelsey doesn't get called for a taunt in the season and post-game. It's just crazy. The, the, the guy is the epitome of taunting and uh, it never gets called. But the, the Flowers one, the, the fumble was just heartbreaking, really, especially for a neutral, because you thought them potentially might be a bit of excitement towards the end of the game. But uh, fantastic play by Snead, though, to force the ball loose. Yeah, absolutely. You know, crazy good defensive play. You, you can't blame the guy. Oh, you just put every, in your mind, you're just saying, just go down. Just go, there's no need to, to 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 try and stretch for the goal line at that stage. Just go down. You've got three guys, four guys in your team that can plow into the end zone from a yard. Just go down and and take the points. Went for glory. They don't call them rookies for nothing, and I'm sure he will learn from that going into the future. But uh, yeah, ended a bit of a damn squib, really. The first half was was really good, but uh, the second half sort of faded away in the end. So that, that's what one of Bill Belichick's 
famous phrases was always don't stretch unless it's fourth down never stretch unless it's fourth down and there's no other option you don't stretch unless it's fourth down it's just not worth it not worth the risk you've got the running backs there that are paid to paid to get the points there at that point yeah and bill knows a thing or two let's not uh, let's not mistake that i know he hasn't picked up a new job yet but uh i'm sure that's just on the horizon for a for a obvious hall of fame coach yeah I, I, bill Belichick is well he's going to find a job somewhere my favorite one though is uh, hearing he might be in the media and taking a media role i mean <laughs> i think that'll be hilarious i I've not seen a man with as little charisma as Bill Belichick, even if he is one of the, you know, the best minds to ever grace American football. Uh, I don't know how that was going to work out, but I'm excited to see if that comes true. I think that's very unfair, actually. I watched uh, Table of Three or something like that. I think they, he did what, two seasons ago about the top 100 players of all time, and he was very charismatic on that and got into some great points. And, really was just a brilliant tv presence on that at that point but i think when he when he was coaching someone he didn't want to give away all the information so maybe when he's not actually coaching a team and defend defending his players and everything like that he might be a bit more open well, i think going off the past uh interviews i've seen him with the uh with the patriots he certainly won't be subject to any uh bad lip reading videos because he, he barely moves. He barely moves his mouth, so it's very difficult to uh, to put any words into it. But yeah, he's he, obviously a Hall of Fame coach. The guy knows what he's doing. Like I say, a rudimental rookie mistake from Flowers to be stretching for the line on that drive. Unnecessary, going for glory, great defensive move, and killed the game off, really. Even the, the a little amount of momentum they'd managed to gain off that drive to just totally killed. And I suppose it's it's difficult for the neutral because you're always going to be slightly disliking of very successful teams because of nothing else but jealousy. And the Chiefs are a very successful team. And uh, I thought the Ravens had really deserved it this year. I thought they'd played good enough football all year to, to, to have a real go in the final. But you cannot write off the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I completely get where you are from a neutral. If you're a neutral who hasn't watched the NFL all season, you probably... You know, there are some less hardcore fans who don't watch every game and they might not take an issue with the Chiefs progressing. They might think, oh, Mahomes is a fantastic talent to watch. Kelsey's exciting. But if you're not one of those fans and you do watch every week, then there's one thing you want from your Super Bowl Sunday. And that's just no more Taylor Swift, please. And unfortunately, we've got that. Yeah, she's got to fly all the way back from Japan. And I bet she's not doing that economy. So uh, it's... It's going to be one of those games, isn't it, where she's just going to be all over the TV, which, like I said in previous podcasts, if people have come for Taylor Swift and stayed for the sport, do you know what? I don't mind, but it's getting a little bit tiresome, cutting to her every time Travis touches the ball. And Travis touched the ball a lot of the weekend because not only did he play very well, he broke the receiving records in the playoffs off Rice, which was an incredible feat. Uh, I mean, let's no bones about it. Travis Kelsey is an exceptionally good football player. He's one of those players that you'd love to have on your team, but you hate playing because he's just got that little bit about him that makes him unlikable to the neutral fan, unlikable to opposition fans, but everyone loves him from Kansas. So, yeah, it'd be uh, 
it'd be an interesting final uh, with with the Chiefs in. I'm sure that Taylor's going to get mentioned a few times. I'm sure there'll be rumours flying around that she's going to join um, the halftime show. That's not going to happen. But uh, yeah, lots of rumours flying around. And then obviously the second game of the evening, our divisional rivals, the team I love to hate, the Lions playing the San Francisco 49ers. Um, do you know what? The Lions made me look very daft in the first half because they were exceptional. I've been calling them frauds all season, and I tell you what, they were anything but. The play that they had managed to generate, and the, the aggressiveness and the play calling and the no-fear approach to the game was just very, very good to watch in the first half. But... No public service announcement needed because they collapsed in the second half. Reese, did you stay up for the Lions game? I know you were in bed by the second half of the Chiefs game, but did you manage to catch any of the Lions? I uh, I couldn't quite bring myself up. I had a long day and I didn't really want to stay up 24-7 to watch some more NFL games. But, you know, it's, a, it's hard being a Lions fan. They've gone through so many years of heartache. And, you know, to go from where they were three years ago, losing record to moving you know getting to just about above 500 then into the playoffs to go through you know a crushing heartbreak of, of blowing a big lead um there will be some um 24 7 therapy lines in detroit that will be ringing off the hook i'm sure reese that's just unkind it's just unkind to our fellow nfc north team but yeah i totally agree the amount of heartbreak that we've suffered as viking fans is it's different heartbreak for the Lions because they're just miserable all the time and have been miserable for the past God knows how many years. But it looked like, especially up till halftime, this was it. This was the year because, like I say, I, I can't think of a team, especially in the NFC this year, that have played that well for a half of football. But I also can't think of a team that have played that badly for a second half of football. I mean, how do you lose that game from where you're at? Crazy things, bouncing off helmets, Drop catches, which would, you know, I think I'd catch half of those ones that were dropped in the second half. Just crazy. Last week, I called that if Detroit get a big lead, they will play with that lead and they'll take risks, but, you know, they'll protect that cushion. And I felt very confident watching the game the next morning, not knowing the exact result and anything like that, you know, trying to enjoy it and live it in the moment. I saw Dan Campbell when, you know, it was fourth and goal from the two. He could have, you know, in true Dan Campbell fashion, knowing halftime was just around the corner, gone for it, tried to get one more touchdown. They were running the ball exceptionally well. I mean, at one point again, they had third and 12 and handed it off and got the first down. But instead, he kicked the field goal. And I thought, OK, this guy's learned. He's not going to do anything stupid. He's not going to take any unnecessary risks on fourth down if he's in field goal range with a big lead in the playoffs. And then he went and did it twice and failed to convert twice. And, you know, six points can go a long way in a playoff game. Of course, it, you know, if you had six points, it doesn't change the result of this one. But when those points came, it could have made a huge difference. Yeah, I like Dan Campbell. I like his style. I like his aggressiveness. I like his relatability. I don't like a 10-point sway in a game because if you don't kick a field goal and then you concede seven in two drives, that is just not championship football. 
and I thought he would have learned for the first time and then he did it again which was just you know I suppose you, you've got to admire the fact that he stuck to his ethos but you take points in championship game championship games you take points and I won't be convinced otherwise of that but what I don't want to do is have this whole segment about the Lions what I did think was um, Brock Purdy who might have been accused of being a system quarterback the second half of that game was really good. I mean, he made some crazy decisions that throwing across the body over the O-line one-hander was just a bit, what are you doing? But he escaped pockets, he escaped tackles, he threw the ball well. We might have another decent NFC quarterback in Purdy. What do you think, John? Brooke Purdy put up 27 unanswered points. He was helped out very much by the defence, but you can't let someone put up 27 unanswered points in a championship game and expect to come away of a win. No matter how big your lead is, the Lions' defence just collapsed. People say Brock Purdy's just a system quarterback. Why is that an insult to people? People seem to be think that's so, the biggest insult of all time. Tom Brady, I've heard Tom Brady call a system quarterback. I've heard Peyton Manning called a system quarterback. It was a certain system, but it suited him. What is wrong with being a system quarterback? If you got the rings, who cared how you got them? Do you know, that's a really good point. And I suppose you're only a system quarterback if you're in a system that works, because people don't say you're a system quarterback when it's not working. You know, Kyler Murray's not accused of being a system quarterback, but that's probably because he's not very good in the system that they play. You know, the Cardinals have been horrendous this season. I know he's not played a lot for the Cardinals this season because of his knees, but you know, even last season, he wasn't great season before that can't be accused of being brilliant, probably because he doesn't play in a system that suits him rather than he's not a system quarterback. Yeah. I totally get your point there, John. I've got to add on John's point with, um, with Brock Purdy two years ago, he was drafted as Mr. Irrelevant. He came in, no one expected him to play. He got a team all the way to the NFC Championship, suffered a season-ending injury, spent the entire off-season with speculation that Sam Darnold might be taking his job, or even Trey Lance at some point. He went through all that speculation in the media, bounced back, and in his second season, his first full season as a starter, he's taking a team to the Super Bowl. I know we were all thinking it would be hard-pressed for anyone to beat DeMarv Hamlin as comeback player of the year because the guy literally came back from the dead. But Brock Purdy's got to be up there as another nomination, a viable nomination for comeback player of the year. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, coming back from the dead's impressive. Coming back from three seasons at the Jets is pretty impressive as well, considering what Flacco did this year. So it'd be interesting to see who takes that one. But yeah, Purdy, why not? Why not throw him in the mix? He's uh, He's been outstanding this year. Um, you don't win that many regular season games in the 49ers. And you don't get to the championship game. You don't win the championship game unless you're a decent player at the end of the day. It just enforces, reinforces the potential that quarterbacks can come from anywhere. You know, you don't have to sell the future. You don't have to sell your talent to trade up and get a media darling quarterback in a draft when actually... If you can find a quarterback that can do what you need them to do, that's just as good. San Francisco have been to the championship game four of the last five seasons with a different quarterback each time. So do you think the system's quite good out there? 
Well, I think of a few things that's quite good out there. Christian McCaffrey's pretty good out there, isn't he? At the end of the day, I mean, he came alive in the second half, and um, I've called him a cheat code for the NFL before, and I still think he is. He's outstanding running back. He's just by far for me the best player in the NFL. Although Mahomes coming back in two games against the Bills and against the Ravens is uh, certainly pushing for that this season. But uh, you know, if Christian McCaffrey's on your teams, I think you win more games than you lose. You say about not trading up for a, a quarterback who's a media darling. I, I know we'll talk a lot in the offseason about trading up for quarterbacks potentially and what might happen there. There were three quarterbacks in the NSC who were the first overall pick. Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. And what's the thing all of those guys have got in common? They're not in the playoffs for the team that drafted them. Takes a while to learn the game in the NFL. You know, these quarterbacks can come in. I mean... Lawrence, statistically, physically, should have absolutely everything to succeed in this game. He's big, he's strong, he's quick, he's got a great arm. He didn't make the playoffs. He might have been injured for a little bit of the season, but didn't make the playoffs. Does that mean he's not going to make the playoffs in the future? Does that mean he's not going to make the playoffs again? No one could tell, but I think if you were a betting man, you would say that at some point Trevor Lawrence is going to play again in the playoffs. He's a, uh, he's a good quarterback. And do you know what? There is a certain a certain statistical line to say quarterbacks that learn the game get better with age. And actually, if you can afford to let them learn the game, either with your team or pick someone off that's been at a different team, you know, that, that's, uh, that's something to be admired. Well, playoffs might not be guaranteed for Trevor Lawrence in the future. That's becoming a hard division now. It's been laughed at for many, many years. But there's three good quarterbacks in that division now. With Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud in that division now, that's become a really good division. I mean, I don't know what the Titans are going to do, do in the off-season, but they really need to step up their game if they want to keep pace with that division now. It's been laughed about for many years, that division. It's been laughed as the worst division in football. But it's not going to remain that way anytime soon. I, I expect to... I expect the Super Bowl champion to come from that division in the next three years. That is a big claim, a big claim. But I suppose... That's a real I, Oracle moment, that, isn't it, if he gets that one? Well, he's going to take the Oracle off you, considering you didn't get the uh, didn't call the San Francisco game right. The Kirk curse did not come back to buy San Francisco in the bottom. I, I thought I called it perfectly. It's just I forgot Dan Campbell was going to go full kamikaze on the season. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll uh, we'll give you a bye week considering you've it's, been so it's good. It's not so kneecap suit; it's bottled now. It's not canned; it's bottled. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you know uh, we're going slightly off topic, but you know the the mayo coffee drinking whole banana munching Lee Le- uh, Levis might come good as well for the for the Titans. You never know; they've changed their head coach this season, so they might might think that's the way to to beat to beat people in that division. It's uh, it's crazy, but I suppose going back to Reese's point. Lawrence might not be guaranteed a playoff berth with the Jags, but he might move and go somewhere else. Just like Reese has said with the three quarterbacks in the playoffs from the NFC this year, you know, he might end up a different team, might end up in the playoffs. I think he's a good enough player. He just needs a bit of time to develop. And that is something that is not afforded in the NFL. And that is time. I mean, how many people were saying about love and, oh, he's just sat there. Can't be good enough. Can't be good enough if they continue to pay Aaron Rodgers. First season, first full season, gets to the playoffs, does well in the playoffs. Looks like he'll probably make the playoffs again. You know, it's 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 a it's certainly a position that 
the more and more you look at it, apart from CJ Stroud, who is an anomaly, the more and more you look at it, the better the NFL player and the better the quarterback is once you give them a little bit of time to think about what they're going to do. So, um, yeah, good two really good championship games. I think I think we've got half the Super Bowl that people were wanting predicting in the 49ers, but uh, the Chiefs have managed to sneak in there with their excellent play. How dare they? And we'll see what happens in the Super Bowl final. We've got a couple of weeks rest to uh, get people back healthy. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I don't think I can call it at this stage because watching the first half of both games, you'd say the Chiefs are going to walk it. Watching the second half of both games, if the San Francisco can come back against what was an excellent, ex- I'm going to eat my words again, an excellent performance first half from the Lions, anything could happen. And uh, to say that it's scripted, well, you don't think you'd script either of those two games. So we'll see what happens. But that's enough talking about non-Vikings football. Of course, we are a UK and Ireland Minnesota Vikings fan club. So let's get into some Vikings news. Let's talk about TJ Hawkinson. He's had some surgery, but why did it take so long? Right, let's talk about TJ Hawkinson, everyone's favourite tight end, Mr. Viking, Mr. Logo. I can't believe it's it's happened. I can't believe he's got injured to certain to, to such an extent. And such so long ago it feels as well. It's not a recent injury. You know, we got we got um we didn't have some any playoff football to play. He got injured in the regular season, but he's only just had surgery. And uh to a few that might seem a bit puzzling. But Reese, explain why. So yes, of course, TJ Hawkinson suffered the injury on Christmas Eve. It's been a, of course, a good few weeks since then. It, an important thing to remember with an ACL injury is that it usually takes a good few weeks for a full range of motion to return to a knee, regardless of whether your ligaments are intact or not. And so it's important to wait for the full range of motion to come back and the swelling to reduce around the injury so that surgery can be successful and promote a healthy recovery. Yeah, that's uh, very good. Very, very valid. I'm not a doctor myself, but cutting into swelling can't be a, a healthy thing to do. My fear is we are now, finger in the air, eight months away from the start of the regular season, six months away from uh, from practice and, and, and summer practice. What is his prognosis in terms of coming back for the Vikings? What implications does that have on the squad going forward? I know we've got Oliver obviously signed to a, a fairly decent deal, um, but we don't look half the offence that we, we should do without TJ Hawkinson playing. Well, we don't know who our quarterback's going to be. That's the other thing. We don't know if we're taking a rookie. We don't know if we're going to maybe draft someone in the position. The important thing to remember is that Josh Oliver, while he has got two years left in his current deal, one of those years is, I think it's somewhere around 14 million, but none of that money is guaranteed. So at the end of next season, the likelihood is that Josh Oliver either takes a restructured deal or he's getting cut because he won't play for 14 million as far as I'm aware. In, you know, especially when you've got TJ Hawkinson, the roster, you know, the world's greatest third string tight end, Johnny Munt's probably going to be coming back. There's a lot to keep an eye on with this. The expectation is going to be that he will go for his rehab plan. When all the mini camps are going on, expect Hawkinson to be on the pup list. They won't rush him back because one thing that comes with ACL injuries is hamstring injuries. When you rush back from an ACL injury, the odds are you will suffer you know, a calf or a hamstring injury because as you're strengthening that joint, you're putting a lot of you know, effort into those muscles, quad, the hamstring, anything that's you know, around the knee, you're putting a bit more strain on it. And you naturally will as do that as well when you're running and exercising. 
So if Hopkinson comes back from an ACL injury and you feel like it's rushed, don't be surprised if you see him limited in practice a few weeks later or out of a game with a hamstring injury. Yeah, and hamstrings are four to six weeks. So we saw that with JJ last season. We don't want uh, we don't want that again. Yeah, it's it's a complicated one because obviously, like you say, Reese, we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for the Vikings next year. None of, none of it is certain. But what is certain is good teams over the past decade and longer have all had very good tight ends. It's one of those positions that is favoured by the fans. They're all big characters, aren't they? I mean, if you look at Kittle, if you look at Hawkinson, you look at Kelsey, you look at Gronk, all full of character, all those tight ends. And uh, You know, the Browns tight end, Njoko, was uh, brilliant this season. And uh, I think decent teams miss good tight ends. So I would like to think that we would miss TJ Hawkinson. And... If he doesn't start the season, does that change our plans? Does it does it mean that we want to get potentially a cheap cheaper deal in? Do we run with Johnny Munt? It's a strange one. John, what's your opinion? Yeah, yeah. You don't rush Hawk back. You don't rush a player like that back at all. You let him take his time. He's going to be with the Vikings for a very long time, hopefully. So let's not rush him back anytime soon. We want him for many, many years, as healthy as possible. As you say, if you rush him back, you're just going to create more and more injuries over the years. So it's just not worth rushing him back at the moment. Yeah, and I certainly want to get some more use out of my TJ Hawkinson shirt and TJ Hawkinson signed mini helmet. So let's not rush him back and let's not do anything deaf with him because uh, I want to see him playing for the Vikings. But uh, yeah, well explained, Reese. Thank you very much for that update. Um, TJ Hawkins is just a very good tight end. So I think everyone's going to be concerned and everyone's going to want to see him play next season. But uh, yeah, good news that he could potentially be back. Um, Let's just not rush it. Let's just make sure he's okay. But other news this week coming out of social media on the Vikings is this uh, crazy, I'm going to say great, crazy story that Kirk is after 90 million guaranteed over a two-year contract. Let's, uh, Let's get into that one. So let's play armchair GM for the next segment. You are coming up to the new season as Vikings GM. Your star 36-year-old quarterback has just ruptured his Achilles. He's coming back wanting a new deal. How much do you pay the guy? Well, that's the exact situation that we're in and the exact situation that we're going to discuss next. Everyone, I'm sure, that has listened to the show before will have an open and honest opinion of what I think of Kirk Cousins and that I think he is uh, an an exceptional quarterback, uh, a really good quarterback for the Vikings and exactly what we need at this time. But that doesn't mean that we sell everything to keep him with the team, especially in the situation that he's in. So, Reese, I believe you've got some stats on how the league is affected by quarterback cap hits this year. Yep. So the important thing to note is that this rumoured contract or what Kirk's rumoured demands are, is $90 million over two years, fully guaranteed. Split that down the middle, of course, that's $45 million a year. Quarterback contracts, or most contracts in the NFL, will always be weighted one way or another, one year more expensive than another. But for the argument, well, for the sake of this argument, imagine it's $45 million per year for two years. That doesn't put Kirk Cousins in the top five for quarterback cap hit next year. He would be behind Deshaun Watson. Somehow they paid him that much. Dak Prescott, somehow he got paid as much as he did. But those two there are around the 60 million mark. Deshaun Watson, 63 million, near enough 64. Uh, Dak, 59 and a half. 
then you've got yeah a real quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, another real quarterback at number five in Matthew Stafford, and uh, and a professional Call of Duty player in Kyler Murray in four fifty one million for the year. So for those freaking out saying that Kirk is trying to break the market, reset the market for his age, maybe, but at the same time, it's nowhere near as high as you know some other quarterbacks in the league. Would I pay Kirk Cousins? 90 million for two years of football not fully guaranteed not off of that injury if i put bonuses on it, it i i can understand i can get behind 40 million guaranteed i could i could argue and say two years 80 million yes but i feel like that next 10 million if considering that we were going to be paying kirk cousins 40 million dead money anyway that extra 10 million is sort of it's a straw that breaks the camel's back for me. Interesting, interesting to hear your opinion. Interesting to hear what other, I mean, Deshaun Watson. What is what actually happened there? What crazy person put that contract in front of that man? Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, Dak Prescott, another one. Done nothing really in the playoffs, considering the team and the people that he's had around him. Kyler Murray is just a, an enigma in football. He's a shouty little man that can't see over his O-line, has managed to make as much money as possible. So, yeah, looking at all those contracts, you would say, Kirk Cousin, I would say, those three players is better than those three players at the position that he pay, uh, at the position that he plays. But coming off of a very serious injury at the age of 36, and the Vikings have got some needs all the way across that roster. But of course, there is one very similar quarterback coming off a very similar injury. So, Reese, how does he compare? Well, you can only be talking about the tormentor Aaron Rodgers, the guy who played four snaps of football all season, somehow managed to make an entire team's narrative all about him. Um, but yeah, in 2025, the quarterback cap hits. We're keeping on this whole thing, Kirk Cousins, 45 million a year. Uh, he's not top five again in 2025, but Aaron Rodgers is at 51 million. Well, 51 and a half million he's due in 2025. Um, off of the same injury as Kirk Cousins, much older, takes a lot more magic mushrooms. Don't know if that's going to affect his uh, recovery, but you can sort of see what Kirk's asking for isn't crazy, but it's the injury that scares me, like I said earlier. Of course, that is if Kirk is asking for that amount of money, which I am. Um... Still not absolutely sure on it. I would be uh, be careful slandering Mr. Rogers in any type of media because he doesn't take kindly to that sort of action, Reese. So, you know, maybe you want to uh, just caveat any words you say around him, just to make sure that it is your opinion, your opinion only. You don't want any any fight back from Mr. Rogers. The opinions expressed in that last statement were the uh, opinions of myself only, and not that of the UK and Ireland Minnesota Vikings fan club podcast. And Rogers is a respected quarterback even if he did somehow make this all about himself. Sorry, I've done it again. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Reese. Thanks for uh, getting us <laughs> off the hook. Just staring at the legal bods through the glass and making, <laughs> making sure that they're happy. I think they're happy about that statement. But, John, are you happy? I think Reese has stuck his flag in the ground at 40 million guaranteed a season. What do you say? I would say 40 is the absolute max we should go to for, the, for Kurt. We're all... Big Kurt fans on here. I don't think any of us have ever hidden that. We're all big Kirk fans, but he's an aging quarterback who came off an injury last, who's coming off an injury at the moment, and we don't know what, what, how it's going to affect his game. 
it shouldn't affect his game too much. You'd hope not, at least, the way he plays. But we don't know. He's not a spring chicken anymore. So let's let's try and keep it down. But these are just these are just social media posts. They pick the number out of nowhere, as far as I'm concerned. So let, it's only Mar- March is when we're going to start learning the real figure. So let's wait until then. Well, that sounds far too sensible, John. We've got to do some at least some speculation before then. Come on, what do you think we're going to talk about from now until March? Yeah, I, 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 I just can't do it. I can't share both of your sentiments at 40 million guaranteed a season. I can't do it. Taking the bigger picture, Danielle Hunter. We've got Smith, who is going to stay, not going to stay. If you take those two players out of our defense, who the hell is going to fill the gap? Who's going to get our sacks? Who's going to play safety? Because tell you what seen as 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 promising as he want he's, he's he's fortunate to walk at the minute never mind play safety in the nfl um uh, i just can't get on board with 40 million a season i get what you're saying that but i think there's an important thing to look at in all the mock drafts that have been coming out recently as we know whilst minnesota sports writers need something to write about hence why this quarterback salaries come about uh mock drafters need to do their work this time of year on those networks and teams and groups that have got the Vikings re-signing Kirk Cousins, a common factor is an edge rusher around pick 12. So if you're asking where the rusher is coming from, there's your answer there. If you're asking who's going to play safety for the Vikings next season, Cam Bynum and Josh Mattias have really shown in past games where you know there has been no Harrison Smith or anyone you know it, we've had many games where we've been missing both like both safeties um i think the detroit game a few years back it sticks out to me the one where josh Dimitris came up with the game clinching interception we went into that game going oh no who's playing safety for us and now the likelihood is though both those guys have stepped up big time and could be doing that in the future there's also a little situation of a running back that we might need a little situation of an interior offensive lineman that we might need don't be silly we don't run the ball you don't need a running back i think if kirk is going to literally stand still we might need a running back well i mean kirk cousins is one of those few quarterbacks in the nfl who could probably throw on every down and you probably get something from the game um but yeah i know what you're saying Uh, ty chandler i think is needs to be given a shot It'd be interesting to see what a healthy Kenny Nwangu could do. He had a very disrupted off-season last year. It's very hard for him to come in and you know, pick up the playbook and get fully involved in that. Madison is staying next year, really. There's, with the contract that he's on, the way that money's divided, all the little boo birds can you know stuff it because he's going to be coming back with that contract and the way it's you know divided. And I wouldn't say the issues with the running game were on Madison last year at all. I put it on coaching. I feel that we need a run game coordinator because there were so many points in this season where things didn't get going. And Maybe Madison isn't going to be the lead back. Maybe we should be by committee. I look back at the 2017 season. It was a magical season for us all. The season after Peterson left, Cook goes down week four, and Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon tote the rock for the year and did an absolutely splendid job yeah but look at the lions this season as negative as i've been about them one of the great things about their squad is that they've had gibbs and montgomery to smash the ball home which 
has been really great to watch and I want it. That's what I want. I feel Ty Chandler could maybe fill one of those roles. And I think you're right. Matson's contract just probably means he's going to be back at the Vikings next year. We say very little by not bringing him back, but uh, bringing it back around to Kirk Cousins. You've got two chaps in this podcast that think 40 million guaranteed a season is a, not, not just a good idea, but something they're willing to go to. I'm going to go against the grain. 35 million. I still wince a little bit at it. 30 million starts to sound more appealing. Anything sub 30 million. I do see the absolute advantages of bringing him back. I don't think, and I know people are going to disagree, but I don't think we are that far away with the squad that we've got now. If we've got a second year Brian Flores defense who has showed that it can be good with what people would call no stars in that defense, if we can keep them off the field a little bit more by having a good offense, then, and 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 we showed that, you know, against the 49ers this season, we were, we were good, really good. And then Kirk went down and everything fell apart, but we have got the best wide receiver in football. Addison has come through as an absolute star. If we bring Powell back, that's a really good three wide receiver core. If TJ Hawkinson can play again, that's really good. We've got two offensive tackles that are exceptionally good at playing football in Darisaw and O'Neill. Bradbury is Bradbury. And I think he came on leaps and bounds last year. So let's keep him in the squad. Ingram is obviously going to stay. Dalton Reisner, are we getting him back? Yes, please. But he's going to cost a bit of money. Kirk takes up a lot of cap space. And he is 36 and coming off the back of a major injury. He's not the future of the Vikings. But the alternatives are potentially worse. Do we get in a bridge quarterback for no money? What's going to happen next season if that happens? If we bring in a bridge quarterback, draft someone, maybe in the second round, maybe a McCarthy or a Bo Nix, and say, right, let's sit them for a year and let them learn the offense. Is that a, a, a plausible thing to do when you've got a bridge quarterback who might be really poor and the fans are vying for that rookie quarterback to start some games? And I think Kirk offers quite a lot in the quarterback room. He is encouraging. He's a great leader. I think, personally, bringing Kirk back is a good thing. Ignore the cap. Bringing him back in the Vikings facility is a good thing. Bringing him back at 40 million, that's a totally different question. First question for you, Rich, is do you want Kirk Cousins back here next season? Yes or no? You say you, say you don't. You want 30 million, 35 million. If you're doing that, Atlanta are going to take him because... 10 million a year is a huge difference to play a hometown discount you're talking maybe a few million not 10 million and Kirk's got family down at Atlanta through his what on his wife's side that's where he's going to end up for that amount of money um if the Vikings don't pay him and then you say about a bridge quarterback of course your son's a Steelers fan you've watched enough Steelers football the bridge quarterback everyone's talking about being on the market next season this offseason is Mason Rudolph. Do you really want Mason Rudolph under centre for your Vikings next year? Do you know, last time we had a Rudolph playing for the Vikings, he won't, he won't have bad. So if we're going by those things, then uh, then I wouldn't say no. But, you know, I did watch Mason Rudolph because I uh, I did sit and watch some games with my lad this season. And no, I don't want Mason Rudolph playing for the Vikings. But I also don't want to pay Kirk Cousins £40 million a season to sit there and potentially potentially just take up a load of cap room and we could be building the squad. John, what do you think about a bridge quarterback? If we're going to go a bridge quarterback in the next few years, I think next year's the year to do it. We're looking at looking at our division. 
the Bears have first pick in the draft, they're probably gonna probably gonna sell that to the highest bidder. They're probably gonna stick with Justin Fields, or they could take the, take the quarterback at it, first of all in the draft. They've got they've got uh, loads of picks from uh, the trade they did last year when they had first overall pick. They're gonna get stronger. Green Bay look look really strong with yet another great quarterback. Yay! Lions have just been to the NFC Championship game. It's going to be a really hard division. So if we're going to try and rebuild, next year looks like a year where we could take suck it up and take take a hit and maybe look at drafting a rookie the year a rookie QB the year after. Oh, I don't know. This is why I'm we're not. not ta- I'm I'm not tanking for a rookie QB next year. I'm not doing that. I, I, this is the year to take the rookie course back. Because if you're going to struggle, if you're going to learn, you don't do the bridge quarterback. You might have someone in there, you know, of the fixed magic level to, to, you know, spare him in a few games, protect him from himself as he learns the game. But if you're, if you're talking about having a new quarterback under centre in 2025, you're drafting that quarterback in this draft. I agree. I, I, I can't have mentioned the amount of times that I think sitting a quarterback for a season and letting him learn the offense is a good thing and then go and say, no, let's tank and then take a rookie. That would be uh, astronomically hyper, hyper, hypocritical. But uh, I think that we have got, we've got pick 11. Do I think we pick at pick 11? Probably not. I think there's a couple of teams that we might be able to trade back with for their first and an additional second. Three immediate needs for me is uh, cornerback, edge, quarterback, potentially running back. But we've already kind of gone through that. And I think we'll probably stick with what we've got. Maybe pick someone up in free agency. Someone like an Akers, if he can uh, still run on his cheese string Achilles. But it's, it's you know, this is why we don't get paid GM money, because we just sit here and argue about what, what could be and what could not be. Like I say, if you guys are sticking your flag in the ground at 40 million a season, I can't get on board with that. I would get on board with it if we offered him it and he accepted. If he was playing for the Vikings next year at 40 million a season, I'm a Vikings fan, so I'm gonna I'm gonna cheer for the guy. But it'd leave a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. One thing I do want to come back on, John, is the division is going to be more difficult next season. But but the division was potentially difficult this season. And we were looking like we were the best team in it until Kirk went. So is that a reason to get Kirk back? Do we just run it back? I mean, we've got basically the same team. Hawkinson's going to play at some point, whether it's week one or week five. You know, he's going to go through his rehab. We'd re-sign Dalton Reisner. Instead of giving uh, Hunter a load of money, we'd draft an edge. That will probably all happen. And then the missing piece of the puzzle is Kirk Cousin. Like I say, we look pretty good. And to go into week 15, 16 of this season, I think it was, and we could still win the division when we hadn't had Kirk Cousins for seven games. I mean, that was crazy. So is the division that good? Could we draft Kirk and run it back and still and be the best team in the division? Oh, it's so many questions. Rich, did you just say we had a good division? Are you, are you saying the Lions were good at some point this year? I, I all, heard that too. It's all... It's all that, relative. That, that's, it's all that's relative. What I, oh, that's what I heard. He just called the frauds good. I said that out of the teams that made the playoffs, you could account for them as being frauds, considering Nick Mullins nearly beat him twice. And let's not forget, 
if we don't get Kurt back, we could see Nick Mullins giving us a heart attack week in, week out next season. So, you know, don't count your chickens before they hatch. But uh, look, there is certain teams that are going to be half decent next year. There's certain teams that are going to be not so decent next year. I think the NFC got a bad rap this year, considering um, two of them made the playoffs and uh, and looked, you know, well, like I say, I'll say it. I'll say it. The Lions look very good against the first first half of the 49ers. But they only just managed to scrape past Baker Mayfield and they only just managed to scrape past their old quarterback in Stafford. So let's not let's not give them too many plaudits, all right? I mean, let's not get on my back too much, gentlemen. Just running it back there to your question there about uh, where's the line in the sand. I think absolute max is 40 million for me. I don't want to pay him that much. I really don't. I don't think he is worth that at the age he is now coming off an injury, but... I think that suits everyone. Yeah, potentially the, al- the alternatives are worse. I, I, I still think having Kirk Cousins in the building next season is a good thing. Uh, let's let's n- no bones about it. That is a good thing to have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback next season. The money is is not something that we have to sort out. Thankfully, that's uh, that's up to Quasi. But uh, I, again, I can't pay him forty million. I'd just be would be uncomfortable with that, considering the the rest of the needs on the team and the future cap implications. But uh, but we could talk about Kirk for the next half an hour, next full episode of the podcast, next season of podcasts. He could have his own podcast. Could uh, could Kirk Cousins? He's uh, he's an enigma. He draws all sorts of uh, of people out of the woodwork to talk about whether he's good or whether he's bad, whether he's worth it, whether he's not. His playoff record is not great. Let's not get um, let's not get ahead of ourselves there. I still think that really, for me, this was his second season under Zimmer and past coaches, I can write those seasons off because I don't think the culture was good enough under any quarterback to have made a Super Bowl and uh, and won ourselves a championship. So I still think this is his second season and I don't want to think that it was his last season. I think he's got some unfinished business, but we'll see what happens. We've got a little bit of time before Kirk may or may not sign or may not, may not commit to the Vikings. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. But a little bit of news that has come out recently Ham is going to the Pro Bowl. What do we think about that, gents? Well, anyone that knows me knows I'm a huge CJ Ham fan. I'm a huge. I've always been a big fullbacks fan, but he's finally made the pro. He's finally made the Pro Bowl because the only other Pro Bowl, the the only other fullback in the the NFC is actually playing the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> but yes, uh, CJ. CJ, I think we really underutilised him this year. I've been saying that all season long. I like I like when we're uh, third and one or something like that, shoving, just pushing CJ through like that. I think that's where he's best, making him carry it on third and really, really short. Yeah, I think, again, coming back to those two tush, unsuccessful tush pushes, putting bloody Powell behind the quarterback instead of Ham. I mean, just, every time I go back to that, I get more cross inside because there's just hundreds of players on the squad that could have stood, anyone could have stood there. I am fairly certain. I mean, I am a, a, a veteran rugby player and haven't stuck a pair of boots on for 20 years. I tell you what, I'd have pushed him over the line by a yard far better than Powell could have done. But uh, yeah, I, I love CJ Ham. He's a massive character. Voted as a captain, one of the captains this year, I believe. He's been special teams captain for a few years, I believe. 
Yeah, I think he's just a, a, a big personality and a big voice in the dressing room. Again, again, I would agree with you, John. I don't think we utilised him very well this year. I think um, to get Madison, you know, a little bit more in the game, we could have given him a little bit more help um, in the in the run block, and, and and Ham could have helped out in those situations. But uh, yeah, he's a good guy, and he? he's a good character. I think we've got him for at least another year. I think his contract is extended for. Keep me honest, Reese. Yep, we've got at least one more year of CJ Ham. Uh, there's a potential out in 2025. Um, you know, where he can be cut and there'll be a, a million or so's worth of dead cap. But, you know, he was horrendously underutilised last year. Um, one of my, John says, you know, stick him, stick him there and make him right in the middle for one yard. One of my favourite things about CJ Ham is when you'd, uh, you bring him in on a third down and you just toss the ball out to him, you know, third and four, just no one's marking the fullback. Everyone thought he's in the pass protect. Uh, toss the ball out to him, yeah, and CJ Ham goes for seven or eight yards. Uh, this is the thing. For those who were at the London game last time the Vikings played, they, some will know what I mean when I say CJ, you say Ham. Uh, he's a, a huge favourite of the club, and um, I, I'm so glad he's in the variable because yeah, he deserves it. Hopefully the NFC win the uh, the skill games and he gets a bit of an extra payday. Yeah, I think we all love him. And if he did leave, we wouldn't get the opportunity to to line him up next to everyone's favourite tight end and call them Ham Hock, which would be a missed opportunity in my eyes. Um, it'd be uh, it'd be a travesty if he left without someone saying that. But yeah, I think uh, in making it to the Pro Bowl is uh, is a gift. For, uh, for some exceptional exceptional play that he's given us Vikings fans, exceptional memories that he's given us Vikings fans over the years. Uh, it's nice to see him there, even if it is slightly by default. Uh, it's nice to see him there. But I believe that's all we've got time for. It's been uh, it's been nice talking football with you gentlemen again. It's been nice talking the Vikings football with you gentlemen. Do you want to come back next week and talk about him again? Of course. Obviously. Good, because otherwise I'd be sat here in an echo chamber on my own. So thank you for visiting. Thank you for coming and, uh, and listening to us again. We'll see you all next week. Say goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye, gentlemen. Cheers. Ta-ra. <laughs>